0: Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Encouraging Others Through Christ podcast. And I am super excited because I am hosting a spiritual and spirituality and faith type of discussion. Probably I think really the only second time since I've been on Clubhouse. I the first time I did this was late at night one night and I did a faith and spirituality, ask me anything type of room and had some folks that I had met through Clubhouse, primarily a bunch of atheists, um, which is interesting. And they came in and asked me all sorts of questions about how can I be a Christian and also have interest in yoga and Hinduism and all this other stuff. They were absolutely baffled by my experience of just being open to any of the wisdom traditions of faith and spirituality so anyways that was a fun room it went incredibly well and it was way before clubhouse introduced replays and for those of you who are listening to the podcast replays is simply meaning that the room that you are hosting on Clubhouse is being recorded and can be replayed by anyone later if you choose to keep it up. So with that being said, I have invited a very good friend of mine, somebody I just met probably about four weeks ago, and it's just been an incredible relationship with Bethany ever since. So I am going I'm happy to welcome as my co host for this room, Bethany Dixon. Bethany, how are you?
1: Hi, Cliff. This is Bethany. I am I'm doing great. I'm feeling really good. It's been a pretty relaxing few days. So I am really glad since it's been so much happening since the school year's ended for my daughter, and I'm getting a little bit of downtime now. So I'm doing really well. Thanks.
0: Wonderful. So, uh, by the way, uh, welcome to Coventina. I see that you're here. If you want to come up on stage, you're more than welcome to do so. And, of course, this is open to Dustin and Katrina and David. If any of you have any questions about the topics that I or Bethany talk about or anybody else on the stage, feel free to raise your hands. I'm definitely here to serve. And that goes for you, too, as well. At the bottom there, Patty, welcome to you. And also welcome to Brian. All right, so Bethany, you and I just met, and we met as a result of a very, uh, the the language that I would say is a very new age spiritual kind of room here on Clubhouse. Would you say that's a fair description of the type of room that we met in?
1: I would say that's probably accurate. I'm trying to remember which room it was. <laughs> But I think that uh, given many of our conversations have been on along those topics, I think that would probably be a very good description for it.
0: So let me ask you this. How did you, in our private conversation, you told me that you were introduced to new aspects of your own spiritual awakening journey uh, as a result of Clubhouse. If you're willing to speak about that here, would you tell us a little bit about that?
1: sure i'd be happy to okay so i'm i'm going back in my mind on the spot to for a good starting spot but i think um i, I joined clubhouse in august so it's not been quite a year but i've learned a lot during that time and I joined through this group. It was a, actually a podcast I listened to and it was about it's called subconscious mind mastery and they would have discussions on Clubhouse and I thought, well, I'm I'm interested in kind of discussions they're having I've, and so that's why I joined Clubhouse and then I saw there were so many topics, everything under the sun and is available here. I found um, I found a room where they were talking about just really anything spiritual any, and the connections between different spiritual aspects and what does it mean and a lot of it I was just listening just curious and trying to understand and learn more and there were some things that I would hear that I was that I like to use the term it did not resonate with me and or something does resonate with me. It's, you know, I'm like, Oh, this is interesting. And yes. Okay. I'm going to take this knowledge and pick it up and I might want to learn more about it and research it. Or I'm like, mm, that doesn't sound, <laughs> that doesn't sound legitimate to me. And so I kind of put it away, but it's what really attracted me is the positivity and the acceptance and the love that I found in some of these spaces. That's really what pulled me in, is this openness to people from all over the world. I mean, that's you know, the, really the goal, I think, of Clubhouse itself. But finding this community of people that want to learn more, that are hungry for knowledge and want to understand not only the world better, but themselves, that's what really pulled me in.
0: That's awesome. And did you have a interest in faith and spirituality before you started to get into some of those rooms?
1: Yes, I consider myself a Christian, and I grew up a Christian, going to uh, Baptist churches. And there were times where I times where I didn't go to church, and times where I um, I did, and. The biggest catalyst for me in my spiritual awakening journey was after I'd had my daughter and my marriage just seemed to be crumbling. We couldn't find, uh, I think I felt like a a good description might be that we we did not, we certainly didn't resonate with each other. But we, uh, there, were, there were a lot of other things going on, and I think really it was that we were both people that needed to do a lot of healing. I don't think that we were really ready for marriage. We, both, we got married when we were 25 and 26, but there's so much more to life, and I think within our short marriage of about five years, we thought maybe having a child would make it better, and it does not. That's clearly not the answer. <laughs> to that kind of situation, but it was, uh, I was, I very distinctly remember I w- had been talking to one of my brothers on the phone about my situation and, but it was that i had, I had these thoughts, these thoughts were, if this was my daughter and in this situation, this was my daughter and this was her marriage. I would tell her that she deserves so much better and that she needs to get out and it was the, it was those thoughts of if I would tell my daughter that how can I do any less for myself? Because that's one thing I've always done for myself is try to just be who I am. So you asked me, do I mind being recorded, you know, for the, for a podcast that you're recording right now? No, I don't mind because I'm always just striving to be true to myself. And so back to that moment, for when I was thinking about what would I tell my daughter, my one-year-old daughter at this point, but if that she was in my position, I would say to get out. And so that was a big moment for me. And it was incredibly difficult for a very long time. And it was really trying to struggle and like try to find meaning. But um, that really was a catalyst point for me in my awakening journey to break out of this mold of, okay, I'm going to have I'm married. I've got kids and a house and, you know, I've checked bo- checked all these check boxes, but it's it wasn't fulfilling me. I still had all the questions about what is my purpose? What am I supposed to do here? So <laughs> that's that big catalyst moment.
0: Gotcha. So a couple of things that really stood out to me is that you said, I grew up Christian. I consider myself to be a Christian. And by by the way, both of those statements um, are true for me as well. I grew up Christian, and I still today consider myself to be a Christian. One of the things that I say today in some conversations when I feel like it's appropriate, and I think this is an appropriate uh, place to share it, especially since I'm putting this in the Encouraging Others Through Christ podcast is while I consider myself to be a Christian, if I went back to the Christian that I was 10 years ago and I met the guy Cliff Ravenscraft who's speaking behind this microphone today and I learned that the version of Cliff Ravenscraft today uh, believed the things that Cliff Ravenscraft believes today uh, 10 years ago, that version of me as a Christian would say, there's no way that this new version of Cliff Ravenscraft is a Christian. Have you experienced any of those thoughts for yourself?
1: Yes, I definitely have. It's going back and what did I think before? You and I were talking a few minutes <laughs> for a few minutes earlier this afternoon, and it um, what makes me think about that is that my view of Christianity is so much greater in terms of how I view spirituality. Uh, one of the things I've come to understand in my own experiences as I've learned about other religions is that there's some tenets of that religion that definitely started in truth, you know, whether it was thousands of years ago. Um, you know, time, time changes everything really in the course of, <laughs> in the course of living on earth. But uh, it's that there's, there's some truth to truth to, most, to everything. Like you, just a matter of like, it might be a kernel of truth. It might still, you know, be the foundation is true. But It's to understand that. And so now I know I'm like, oh, I can go learn about a different religion and I can take some some aspect of that religion and I can tie it back into Christianity. I can tie it into another religion because I understand now that these are all aspects of communing with source, with God. It's just different labels for how it's described.
0: Yeah that that's that's where I've come to understanding a, a broader picture of of God than the box that I grew up in which was a very fundamentalist orthodox protestant christianity and i even had i was i was inside of boxes within boxes i was like a nested russian doll and and i was and, and i jumped from one nested russian doll into another nested russian doll so you speak about baptist church there's several different baptist churches that i was a part of and even one was the southern baptist church and there was the wesleyan church the methodist church there was the Church of Christ. There was the Pentecostal Church, the Assembly of God Church, um, and the Lutheran Church. And, and and of course, the the fun part was is not once in my entire lifetime have I ever been Catholic. But I did. I was sent to Catholic school from second grade all the way through seventh grade. So uh, was sit, I sat in religion class uh, in in religious instruction under the Catholic Church. Uh, through their schooling in the education system and attended mass every Friday for seven or for what is that six years of my life? No, actually seven years of my life from first grade through seventh grade. So it was seven years of my life. And that gave me a lot of different views on God. But overall, I I had some major tenets that pretty much all of those things agreed upon all of those different branches of Christianity believed in and and was ingrained it's like listen this is what you need to know the bible is the word of god it is the authority for all things if it's not in the bible then it's not it's not of god and and it it's the the word of the the bible the word of god and the word of god only and everything else out there is from the deceiver and he's roaring around roaring around like a prowling lying look, la- looking to devour you <laughs> and and you've got to stay away from you've got to stay away from anything and everything that would go against these teachings that we as this church this body of believers this denomination have taught you to accept and and that you have agreed when becoming a member of this body these are the things that you said yes I agree to this statement of beliefs this doctrine and of course the funny part is is that well gosh there okay the 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 wesleyans said that the the calvinists were heathens and 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 the the baptist church said that the the Catholic Church is given rise to the Antichrist. It's like, what the heck? But at least they all agreed about Jesus, and it seemed like most all of them agreed about the Bible being the authority, and and I came away from all of that experience of my childhood and young adult life with the understanding, well, okay, well, let's just take the tenets of doctrine that pretty much all of these Seem to have at least some level of agreement on. Well, then that must be true because enough of enough people agree on this, so that obviously makes it true. Uh, and and I've only you know within the last couple of years realized just how much of a, a false premise that is.
1: Yeah, I agree with I agree with that. Um, I remember I had this um, experience with my older brother. He had. He, I was in high school still, and he went, had gone to college, and he came home and told me about this religious course he took about books of the Bible that had been removed, and I found it so shocking at the time. <laughs> and now, it's as I've gone through my life, I have a degree in journalism, so I really learned how to question and to understand that what is put out into the world, what through written means or television, it's all done through the lens of the person who is writing and creating that content. So it's based on that person's experience. And that really helps me to better understand. I I feel like the Bible as a book, that there is so much wisdom and there is divine guidance within it, but it's also presented by people at that time who wrote their accounts. And then there's the and the, the translations that have happened over time. And it's not just with the Bible, but I mean that occurs with any um, any text, religious or otherwise. But it's helpful in understanding that there. Is more available to experience than just what is within um, the Bible or any other book.
0: Yeah, I I, I definitely agree with that. I, I definitely have come to the place where I still have a reverence, I, I think that's the right word. I, I I have a respect and reverence for. I hold the 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 Bible or the combined text of scriptures, the Holy Scriptures, as pretty much accepted by most churches uh, in very high esteem I I consider the works to and I agree with the people who have chosen uh, that these are inspired works and in, inspired writings uh, from God so that, that's something that I have definitely I still hold to this day um, the where I draw the line today and this is a major shift and a major break, uh, from my upbringing, and which makes me a heretic and an apostate in in many circles, would be that I no longer believe that it is the infallible Word of God and that it is the final authority of God. So, and by the way, I just want to welcome Jay and Daphne to this room. Both of you are certainly welcome to come up on stage and and join me in this conversation if you so desire. There's no pressure to do so. Um, I'm recording this, by the way, as a podcast episode of a show that I produce called Encouraging Others Through Christ. Anyway, so what happened was, for me, I began to read a book called Autobiography of a Yogi. And I had heard about this book because, uh, well, synchronicities, and today I will use language like this. I will say that my soul or my higher version or God, uh, my inner being, my higher self, <laughs> all of the above being the same thing, my, I was led through a series of synchronicities or inspired divinely guided experiences of life. That led me to this book. There's, there's, this was not coincidence. It was not chance. This, this was a divine encounter meant for me to read this book by Parmanhanza Yogananda. And when I started reading that book, if you would have asked me, Cliff, do you believe in reincarnation? On a scale of one to ten, ten meaning absolutely, hands down, yes, I have no doubt about it. Reincarnation is real. It's a thing. It's, it's a, it's what how God designed thing. That's a ten. And Absolutely not. Uh, is no that that's that's things that people talk about and it, and it's it's false teaching and, and anybody who preaches that or teaches that is a false teacher. That's a one on the scale. So if you were to ask me prior to reading autobiography of a yogi, um, where do I fall on that scale? And I would have told you that I'm a zero, <laughs> I'm like below one, <laughs> on a scale of one to ten. I'm a below one. Uh, and I'm absolutely k- certain of this, and I, I can't imagine anything that would ever change my mind because I had been conditioned so well to have that reaction to, to such a question. And then the other question would be karma. You know, what is this thing called karma? And, and on a scale of 1 to 10, if I had an understanding of what karma was and how it's described by those who have the teaching of karma— where would I be on a scale of one to ten? And I would say probably about a five to seven. And and I think that that and the reason would be because of my decade long experience as an associate pastor in the Christian church. I had enough study of the Scripture that that basically says that however you judge others, you will be judged, and uh, you reap what you sow. And I, and I could find a number of scriptures that would seemingly back up the the concept of karma. But yet, as it's being taught, I I would have been maybe a five. Now, by the end of reading that book, Autobiography of a Yogi, which, by the way, I devoured this book. Every morning, I was up at three o'clock in the morning, and I would read it for about two or three hours a day, every day. And even that, it took me about two and a half months to get through this book. It's not a long book, but it still took me that long. And the reason why is because I was highlighting I was copying out of the Kindle app on my, uh, out, out of the Kindle app, I was pasting into my day one journal and I was journaling all of the thoughts, all of the reactions, all of the responses, all of the resistance in my mind, everything. What I, It's like, oh my gosh, this seems to be true. What if this were true? And then, no, this can't be true and this is why. And, and I journaled all of that. So it took me months to get through this. By the end of that book, I asked myself, "Do I believe in reincarnation?" And I'd gone from a zero, neg- less than one, all the way up to a seven, and then on the karma scale, I moved all the way up to about a nine. And somewhere along the way, I was—I realized that um, I that Parnman Hansa Yogananda wrote a commentary on the Gospels from the Bible in the New Testament. And the commentaries are called The Second Coming of Christ, The Resurrection of Christ Within You. And then the final part of it is the, the revelator, a revelatory commentary on the original teachings of Jesus. And so I, I'm like, okay, let me order this. And so I ordered these commentaries. And right off the bat, it says Yogananda had an experience where Jesus appeared to him, and then basically, it, 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 today I wouldn't have had this language back then, but channeled Jesus, and Jesus helped him see the true meaning behind the teachings that are uh, that are given uh, and recorded in the New Testament gospels that are there today. And I'm like, okay. Why am I reading this? <laughs> this seems weird, but as I started to read these commentaries, you use a phrase, you used the phrase two or three times Bethany and it's the word resonate. And mm-hmm. it, and resonate is a powerful word because way before I started my spiritual journey, I was using the phrase resonating. You know, this really resonates with me. I really it's like, yeah, i I really feel that to be true. There's something inside of me that's in agreement with what I'm reading here and and i've all I've always felt that I've had this gift of discernment, which is a gift of the spirit. And so, as I'm reading this, and by the way, i I, I do want to say this. Um, it was very difficult for me to make the decision to continue reading Yogananda's book, especially when I got to the chapter, I think it might be chapter 43, I can't remember, 34, something like that. But the chapter is titled The Resurrection of Sri Yukteswar. And so he's telling the story about how after his, after his... Um, guru passed away. His guru was resurrected, and I'm like, wait a second. This is only reserved for Jesus, and so I'm I'm studying all this, and I'm like, wait a second. This, this all of this stuff that tells me I shouldn't be reading this stuff. This stuff is going to lead you down a path that's you know a slippery slope, and all this other stuff. But then that voice inside my my connection to God, the Father, the one source, my inner being, my higher self it kept saying, and it didn't give me the quote, but it just just reminded me, for I am convinced that neither life nor death, neither angels nor demons, nor any heavenly rulers, neither present nor future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that kept coming up for me. Every time I faced resistance— and that said, "Well, okay, so a book about Hinduism is not going to separate me because that falls in the category of anything you know out there, neither you know anything and all else in creation. So this would be the study of Hinduism. It would be people who talk about tarot cards and new age principles that are outside of Orthodox doctrine and Christianity. and so i I, I felt the freedom. To explore this further. And what happened was it, it just helped me open up to the ideas and the concepts of other people's interpretation of God. And what really is a huge blessing for me was to see that the teachings of Hinduism um, from the perspective of Paramahansa Yogananda. And the teachings of Jesus, even with the four Gospels that still remain in the New Testament today, are pretty much in perfect alignment with one another. And that that was such an eye-opening experience. And of course, in the opening of this book, it does talk about the what happened with Jesus. Yogananda said that um, that what happened with Jesus between the ages, I think it was 14 and 28, is that it's believed that he spent that time in his spiritual training and his own awakening fully uh, to be prepared to do his public ministry, and that he did that in India. And I've come to believe that it might not just have been in India only. He might have visited other uh, what are called mystery schools or whatever, but certainly in India was a place where he had some immense spiritual training. And there is a book called, um, oh gosh, I can't remember. There are two different books that I've read. Everything that was in this commentary from Yogananda. I read all of the original sources for myself because I wanted to see where he got all this from. But it was to—it was called something about the Christ in India, and then there was another one to Tibetan, you know, something about Tibetan Christ. I could get these documents for anybody who's interested. But I read both of these stories, both of these historic accounts. One of them was Nicholas Notovich, and he was a Russian explorer or something of that nature, and he came across the Hemis Monastery, and when he was at the Hemis Monastery, at this Buddhist monastery, they had a manuscript titled The Teachings of Saint Isis, I-S, uh, what, well, however you we spell Isis, I think it's I-S-I-S, but anyway, um, and it turns out that that's the Aramaic name for what would have been Jesus, and so it's the it, it's literally a gospel of Jesus, but it's in a Buddhist monastery. So it's the t- teachings of Saint Isis, or of Jesus, and it pretty much mirrors the four gospels that we see in the Bible today. But it also it, it, it what's unique is that it does not exclude what happened to him between the ages of fourteen to twenty eight. So anyway, those things started to really open me up to the fact that, okay, if I were to get a greater understanding of the Vedic scriptures, and if I were to say that maybe, just maybe, like the people and the prophets of the Old Testament and Moses and some of the other writers, if they were divinely inspired to write holy texts— Maybe these people who were the rishis and these sages and teachers, maybe they might have also, thousands of years before Jesus uh, was born and, and did his public ministry, and they created these Vedic scriptures like the Bhagavad Gita and some of the other Vedic scriptures. What if, what if I were to be open to the idea that these might have also been divinely inspired texts— of people who shared their experiences of the same one God. And, and that really helped me. And when I started to really study what Yogananda and his experience of Hinduism is and started to study other areas of philosophy, I really saw how Jesus' teaching is pretty much in alignment with all of that. Have you have you gone into any of that? Have you heard about the, the Hemis Monastery and the, the teachings of Jesus in the Hemis Monastery?
1: No, I haven't heard about that, but I think it's really fascinating. I was taking notes <laughs> as you were talking because I definitely want to check it out. I, I am familiar with Yogananda, and yeah, he's he's incredible. So it's, uh, it's it's so interesting. The how how it just really again it connects the dots. It's like put it's like putting the puzzle pieces into that giant puzzle about our existence where we came from, what is our purpose, and how do we connect and how should we how should we treat and love each other? I mean, this to me is provides that framework for it. And we can see how it is it, how it exists within these different cultures. Yeah. It's there if we can just release the judgment about it and our resistance to the labels of how something what something is called. There is so much more to it. The opportunity to understand is limitless.
0: I love that you said if we can release the judgment, because this is one of my experiences. I, I've always, like I said, prior to, I, I, I still consider myself today to be a devout Christian. Uh, and, and, and by that, I mean, I'm a devout follower of Jesus and his teachings. So, but, and, and I, I've been that since I was a kid. I, I really have. And the one thing is, is I, I'm one of those weirdos where I I grew up reading the scriptures and I must admit for what really got me started was the hellfire and brimstone. Uh, By the way, Jay, I see your question in the chat and I'm going to answer that next. But I, the, I grew up in the hellfire brimstone uh, preaching churches that said, you're going to burn in hell for eternity if you do not accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And and I must admit that my desire to, at first was initiated by a fear of burning in hell forever. And so I was like, listen, I want to know, I, two things, I want to know God, and number two, I want to avoid burning in hell for eternity. Th- those are two things that are really important to me. And they've, they were important to me all the way from the time I first heard a hellfire and brimstone message, which was probably, I was about five or six years old, and had had that fear all the way up until I quote unquote got saved, uh, and and then there were multiple times when I got saved because I didn't think the first time took or it didn't count and <laughs> some other things. And and and, and today uh, I'm just going to say for the record, I don't believe in hell as in a place where you go for eternity. I do believe in hell, but I believe that hell is is the suffering that we put ourselves through, and I think that that's what Jesus was talking about when he talks about things like hell and other people as in the scriptures as well. But... Um I, I want to go to this question in here. Jay asks Cliff and Bethany, do you believe in the Gnostic Gospels? Just curious. And so, Bethany, I've been talking a lot. I have a very huge opinion on and on this one, but I want to give you the opportunity to speak your response first.
1: Well, I will give my disclaimer that I don't know a lot about it, but I think that there It's not something I I would discard because I believe, as I said earlier, you know, any text, any book that we're holding has been edited. It was all the way back to when the printing press was created. I mean, they edited the, the book for the first Bible that was that Gutenberg created and back to translations. The, there is always a choice made by the person who is editing it or who is writing it. that uh, there is a choice of what did they include, what did they not include. And I believe very deeply that there was a choice to lift up men and to suppress women. And that was something that I always felt ever since I was a child was, and uh, I could go and I could go more into that later. But there's, I believe that there is balance. God created us all; He loves us all equally. And yet, how are we not presented equally in in the Bible? And how? So to me, it makes a lot of sense that there are different writings that have been lost to time that are still found. There's again, I go back to the possibilities are, are limitless by assuming that there is a limit to what is true and not true within as related to the Bible, or to any other text that's putting a judgment on it and assuming that there is that something else couldn't be possible. And that's, Definitely, part of my awakening journey is releasing the limitations that I have put on my experiences. And I'm not saying I've released every limitation, but it's something I'm able to observe and also think, okay, what about what about something else? Like, what about what's more beyond that? So, I think when you talk about writings that were chosen to be included or not included, I'm not going to limit. Um, what could be or what's available. I yield yeah. it to you, Cliff.
0: I love that. So so the question was, do you believe in the Gnostic Gospels? And it depends on which Gospels you're talking about. I, I would say God, the, the ones that I am aware of and that I know of, the Gospel of Thomas, I've read it multiple times. I absolutely love it. I believe it's just as I believe the same thing about the Gospel of Thomas that I believe about the four Gospels that are currently included in the New Testament as accepted by most Christians. Uh, And that is, I believe that it was very likely... To be inspired work by somebody who took down the teachings that Jesus did, and I, one of the things that I love about the Gospel of Thomas is it's clear it, it's nothing more than a document that is one saying after another saying after another saying. There's not a lot of uh, there's not a lot of storytelling in between. It's like Jesus said this or Yeshua said this, Yeshua said that. And so um, I love the Gospel of Thomas. Gospel of Thomas is one of my favorite scriptures to read. And so I love it. Now, whether or not it is accurate to the point, I don't know, but it is certainly in alignment with what I've come to intuitively discern as truth, meaning that when I read it, it resonates with me it res- what i read there it resonates as true and i love the very first line and it's and i'm going to paraphrase it it's like he who understands these teachings shall never taste death and that is my favorite line it, it, out of all scriptures that one in the the very first line in the gospel of thomas is my favorite and it resonates with with the teachings of jesus that i've come to know and and trust for myself I also, um, I have the Gospel of Philip. I have not read the Gospel of Philip yet, but it's one that I will be reading. Um, And another one that I've read multiple times is the Gospel of Mary Magdalene. And again, one of my absolute favorite. I wish there was more. Uh, so, So if you're not familiar with the Gospel of Mary Magdalene, uh, unfortunately, they don't have the complete text. They just have portions of it, and it cuts off mid, sti- like mid teaching at some places, and it's like ah. But I, I will tell you, my favorite book that I've ever read about the gospel. So, uh, let me go to Amazon real quick and pull this up: Gospel of Mary Magdalene. And I want to tell you. Um, Okay, so the I think it's Jan, let's see Jean Vieslelu. I I don't I don't know how to pronounce his name. But anyway, his are the versions of the gospel text or the gnostic texts that I've been reading. But the best book I've ever read on the Gospel of Mary Magdalene is this. It's called Mary Magdalene Revealed by Megan M E G G A N Waterson. And the subtitle I love, The First Apostle, Her Feminist Gospel, and the Christianity That We Haven't Tried Yet. That book, every single word in that book resonated with me at the deepest of levels. So, yeah, I, I love the gospel. Matter of fact, now, we, if I get into some of the metaphysical sort of things, I've had some meditation experiences where... Um, that I've actually been in the presence of Mary Magdalene, and she's come to me several times since being open to who she is and the importance of. I do believe that she was the first and most important apostle. Um, and, and of course, that I, it, it took a journey for me to come to that place. But yeah, so I, and there are several other Gnostic texts that are out there that I may not have mentioned. I, I am certainly open to reading all of those. Like Bethany, I, I'm open to anyone who chose to write their experiences, their encounters with Christ and or his teachings and who were inspired to share them either from their own narrative or just what they heard. I I revere all of that highly and use the gift of discernment that God has given me to test the spirits of what is true and what is not true. So Jay, I love the question. That's that's my response to it. And uh, Jay says she said she's got Waterson's uh, Divine Feminine Oracle Deck. She's great. She is great. All right, Bethany, what do you any thoughts on anything that I shared there?
1: I fully resonate with it, and I wanted to add that. When I think about how something resonates with me, I've learned to trust my body and how my body feels about it. And when something really rings true for me, I, it's like you can just imagine that there's a bell and you can strike the side of the bell and then there's that reverberation and I just can feel it inside my chest and it's like, oh... Yes, like so, the reverberation is the resonance. It's my body acknowledging this information that I'm receiving. Of yes, this is, this is, tr- this is the truth to me. This is what I have been looking for. It's an answer to a question, maybe a question I didn't know I had. But that's the significance of how that resonance feels to me.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you what. I would love to read a document because I would love to include it in this episode of encouraging others through Christ. Um, this happened back in October. I was reading some stuff about Stoicism, and it talked about you know the fact that you're going to die, right? And <laughs> and and then all of a sudden, I was in a coaching conversation, and and sometimes when I get in a coaching conversation, I begin saying things intuitively that. Are, are not from me. And and I attribute it to my connection to God, where he's speaking through me. And, and what happened was, one day, I, I it became very clear that I will not taste death. It goes back to that first opening line to the Gospel of Thomas. Anyone who truly understands the meanings of these teachings will never taste death. And, of course... By the way, I for, I did I forgot to update, and since this conversation is still happening here in this recording, I will tell you, where am I on a scale of 1 to 10 on reincarnation? About 150. Uh, where am I on a scale of 1 to 10 of karma? 150. Uh, and past lives, all of that stuff. I, and, and by the way, I can even, if, if anybody's interested, I could even go into the scripture uh, that's in the authorized New Testament that we have today. And I can show you reincarnation uh, as far as what wh- where it's indicated multiple different places. So with that, I'd like to share with you something that I, I, I was like, I don't know what happened. I, I can't even remember the day this happened, but every now and then I do something called... Uh, Bethany, do you know what automatic writing is?
1: Yes, I am familiar with it.
0: All right. You and I have never really had this conversation. So rather than me explain it, because I'm going to read this, This what I'm going to say is an automatic writing channeled message. Um, I, how would you describe automatic writing?
1: I would describe automatic writing as sitting down and with pen and paper in hand and trying to center yourself, you know, going in, finding a place of peace, calming your thoughts. And then whatever flows through, you write it out. And it's very important when you're doing it to release any self-judgment of, well, I'm I'm already thinking that or am I thinking that because of X, Y, Z. Just let flow whatever comes out and don't judge it. And that's creating the opportunity and that possibility for what's going to come out.
0: Yeah, I love that. That I love that explanation. And so that I've had multiple of these experiences. I believe this is how the New Testament was written. The, I, I believe this is how uh, the, m- many of the letters of in, that we find in the New Testament from Paul and Peter and James, um, not all of them, by the way, <laughs> I have I have some conspiracy theories on some of it. Um but but I do believe that the that channeled automatic writing is is how we got much of our scriptures today. But here's here's the message that I felt inspired to read read and I think some some oh I know what it was. A friend of mine had just passed away. And somebody says, "Oh my gosh, Cliff, you must be devastated." And I said and and I didn't say anything, but when I thought about it, it's like no I, I'm, I'm actually just really celebrating my friend's life and he died really young so I, I think he was probably in his late 30s early 40s and in all this stuff and he's a very good friend but I, I, I'm like no I'm, I'm not devastated and I'm not in denial or anything like that it, it's just I have a different system of beliefs about what I think just happened and I don't think he died and, and so, um, you know, there was going to be a memorial service and all this other stuff. And my wife and I, um, had a business lunch or a, a date week, whatever. And we we're like, Hey, we should probably update our will in the event that something happens to us. And, you know, what, who, you know, what, you know, what's going on with the dog and the kids and all this other stuff. And McKenna, if she's under 18, you know, uh, we want to, we want to be, a part of that and all this other stuff. And so, and we, we were talking about, you know, hey, if we get sick or ill, you know, do how do we want to be buried? Is, you know, we we had all of the quote unquote morbid discussion, right? And so, on October 16th, I was, I was praying and meditating, and then one day it just occurred to me. It's like, you know what? I want to read, I want to write a document that I will give to my wife and I'll give to my best friend and I'm gonna send this document to them and say, listen, I want you to save this document in a safe place. I'm asking you to save this in a safe place. And if I am to die or pass, and there is a memorial service, I would like to ask you to print this document and give it to anyone and everyone who would come to my memorial service, and you know, and, and of all the people who follow me online, if it, you know, I'd like you to post this to my Facebook feed or all whatever. I'll put it on a blog. You know, I, I I want this message to be pasted. And I said, now in the future, if I feel like I need to change some of this, I'll give you a revised version of the document. So, Bethany this is what I wrote. And this was, this was like, it just flowed from me. I didn't think about this document. Not one word did I know I was going to type before the next word. I mean, I, the next word came after the word I was typing. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. So here's what it says. Please do not mourn my passing. I have not died! Exclamation mark. As of October 16th, 2021, I have come to the belief that I am not my present body. My present body and the personality that I have adopted in this lifetime are merely a vehicle for me to experience life at this place and time within creation. I do not by any means mean to minimize the importance of the life that I have lived as Cliff Ravenscraft. The experiences that I have had as a husband, father, son, friend, student, teacher, etc., All of these valuable experiences have been vital to the creation story, and I am beyond honored to have had this experience. I am thrilled that I had, quote-unquote, awakened to my true identity and that I was able to fully embrace the adventures that this life offered and to co-create with my Creator all that I have created. Whether St. Irenaeus actually meant the glory of God Uh, Is man fully alive? I believe it to be true, a true statement, and I am thrilled to have experienced it. My true identity is soul, all capital letters S O U L, which was created in the image of my creator. I, as soul, am and always have been one with my creator. I am not saying that I am God because I was created by him. At the soul level, I am in him and he is in me. We have never, in all capital letters, been separated since my creation. The only hint of separation has been the result of my own ignorance or my loss of memory of my union with him when I came into this body." Note, I am only using words God and Him as this is the language that I've grown up with to describe my Creator. As soul, my Creator exists outside of our current construct of time and space. My soul was never born and will never die. I am not currently certain, but it may be possible and seemingly more likely that to me that myself as soul has taken the form of many bodies and adopted many personalities, both in the past and future from this perspective of time and space. And by the way, this is where this document now could have a little revisions because now I'm absolutely convinced of the above statement. But anyway, I continue. I believe Jesus was who he said he was and that he did come to show the only way back to the Father or our creator. I believe that Jesus taught the kingdom of God is within you, Luke seventeen twenty one. I believe that he taught us that the only way to the Father is through Christ consciousness from which he spoke and taught. He said that I and the Father are one. I only do what I see him doing and say what I hear him saying. I no longer hold on to any doctrine or dogma of any, in all capital letters, A-N-Y, any religion institution, or philosophy. The older I get, the s- I simply find that I have more questions than I have answers. Yet intuitively, I've come to an inner knowingness about my true identity in Christ. Yes, in, but not limited to Jesus. Jesus reminded us in Psalms 82, verse 6, that he state- where he states that we are all sons of the Most High. I do not claim that the Bible is wrong, but I've come to believe that the Bible is not the infallible word of God to humanity. I believe that it was made up of the writings of many people who were inspired by their union with God and that each attempted to share to the best of their ability to express what they could fathom to understand about the Creator who is beyond full comprehension with the human mind." I believe that many of the writers may have been had limited perceptions of God. I believe that those who chose, the, chose which writings should be considered for the canon of scriptures were limited human beings who made judgments based upon their own biased, conditioned beliefs about God and Jesus. I believe that early Christianity had been more diverse than what is taught in the Bible and that we that we have today. I believe that the gospel accounts contain more, I believe that the gospel accounts that contain more esoteric teachings of Jesus have been suppressed. I believe the role of women in Jesus's ministry has been drastically underrepresented. I know that adherence not all but many to doctrine and doc- dogma of various Orthodox Christian views seem to struggle to consistently demonstrate the fruit of the spirit that represents a Christ-like attitude My belief is that adherence to any dogma and doctrine does not allow for the Spirit of God to fully convert the heart and mind of man to oneness with the Father I believe we must become like children able to learn and grow our beliefs beyond what we currently perceive I believe that rigid, Adherence to doctrine and dogma is a limitation that is demanded by false teachers. Just look who killed Jesus and for what reason they killed him. I have come to value the ancient and modern texts that have been written by men and women who have experienced oneness with our Creator. I believe that they have similarly felt inspired to share what, one, what that oneness has revealed to them. Note, I say that I value all ancient and modern texts that are written by those who claim to experience oneness with our Creator. I accept none of them as a single source of truth and view each of them as limited perceptions of what our Creator has revealed to them. I have obviously been influenced by many great ancient sources of philosophy and wisdom as well as modern quote-unquote New Age philosophy and wisdom. I'm not claiming what I believe to be ultimate truth that you or anyone else should adopt. It is simply what I currently believe about my identity and my origin and my meaning and purpose, which is to simply experience this life as the adventure that it is and to learn to grow and express the eternal essence of my true identity, which is light, love, joy, and peace. It has been from this unending peace, love, and joy that I experience in my oneness with my Creator, that I have co-created a minuscule but yet very vital part of the creation that this world exists from. My current beliefs stated here answer my heart's biggest questions about life and have allowed me to become free from fear, worry, stress, doubt, and condemnation of myself or others. I am filled with light, love, joy, and peace. This all emanates from my identity as soul. After I leave this body behind, I will carry and cherish the memories from this great adventure. I ask that you do not mourn my death, for I assure you, I have not died. My soul has accomplished all that it set out to do in this life. I exist eternally. Jesus prayed that we would all be one and as he and the Father were one. This has already taken place, and my soul and your soul are already in eternity in the kingdom of God. I leave you with this quote. When one clo- when someone close to me dies, I vow with all beings to settle in ultimate closeness and to continue our dialogue there. For those who have ears to hear, I invite you to seek the kingdom of God within you, to remember your identity as a child of the Most High. It is there you will find me. I have always been there. It is where you have always been as well. It is within that It is within that we may continue our dialogue. Be joyful always and live your life fully alive with light, love, and peace in Christ Cliff.
1: Wow. That is incredible. And just everything that rings true to me is what contained within that document. It's so beautiful and I think everybody should hear
0: this. <laughs> <laughs> well, they will now because it's gonna be in an episode of Encouraging Others Through Christ, which I'm gonna publish. So ah. I,
1: I love it so much. I mean there were certain things I that just really resonated even I mean the whole thing did, but wow. I I love how you mentioned the hint of separation. Because the hint of separation is Really expanded upon, and that's what creates that fear that we are not separate that we are not connected. there's that that fear that we're not connected to source, that we're separate from each other, that hint of separation. It's if we can just let it go, this belief that we are separate, yeah then it allows for so much more love and growth to come in. I and I love the use of scripture that you have throughout it. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: I, no, I, I was I was just, I'm just like yes, I, I love it because when I think about Jesus and how much I love his teaching, I, I'm so impressed. Upon I pray that they would be one as you and I are one, and and I'm just like this just has not been my experience with the doctrine and dogma and and the adherence that this is the one bible or this is the one text this is the one thing and, and it and we have to do everything to protect in the wars and and when it comes to these gnostic texts to think of all of the people who were murdered and slaughtered and i've read lots of stories and accounts of orth, uh, orthodox eastern orthodox um, members of the Church of Thomas, I believe it was, uh, hundreds of years ago, where they were asked to bring their copies of of certain documents and texts and and stuff like that that were more esoteric in nature. And and it, and it's like, listen, we're going to. It, it, they set it up under this false pretense, pretense, and then they burned every single copy and murdered every person in attendance. And it's like what? And, and this was done by the church. And I'm like, "Whoa, I, I, I this just doesn't jive." And I, and I'm not mm-hmm. saying that it's the, the, all the churches like this, but um it 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 shows when we get so fanatical in our in our understanding of truth is right and and we hinge our identity in in god upon our current belief systems and we have to protect ourselves from anything else somebody might preach or teach that's different than that it it just ah it it, it breaks my heart to know that i used to mm-hmm. be such an incredibly judgmental person and and to be to be able to finally understand texts like, it, this is crazy because I believe absolute unconditional love and all this stuff, and I could never understand texts like, unless you hate your mother and father, your brother and sister, and even your own child, you're not worthy to be my disciple. It, in my, In my prior theological training and teaching, nobody was able to explain that one to me. And today... I completely understand that scripture, and I understand how it is in, lo- in line in alignment with love and light. Um, but but unless you understand and are open to some of the more esoteric teachings, it's it, it's where the number of times, even in the scriptures, we still have for he who has ears to hear, let him hear, or he who has eyes to see, let him see. Uh, there, there were certainly a lot of hidden things that Jesus shared with his inner circle and his disciples who were initiated into the the more esoteric and the the mysteries of eternal life in the kingdom that that are not something that he went around publicly sharing with the masses in an unveiled way.
1: And I think nail is a key word because it goes back to that separation, that hint of separation, that there is a veil that you're not able to see, that you're not able to hear. And it's commonly said now in this time period that we're currently experiencing, that the veil is thinner. And with that, the accessibility seems easier, but that the connection is clearer. And it's that we can, if we can just release the limiting beliefs, release the judgments. And I think it really starts with being open to acknowledge that these judgments have been part of the experience in these lives that we've lived that I'm making a judgment. Is this a judgment? Is this an observation? If you can just shift and to start questioning that, then you're able to see more, able to hear more. The veil is thinner. The veil is dropped. The possibilities are greater.
0: Yes. Well, I know uh, we should probably start wrapping things up here. I just want to say for those who are listening to the Encouraging Others Through Christ podcast, uh, this has been some. These are some of the things that I have desperately been uh, eager. To share more openly about the things that I've been experiencing internally. Um, I can tell you right now, hundreds, if not more than a thousand, maybe even multiple thousands, I haven't done the math, but I've been on this quest, this journey uh, since probably the fall of 2020 is when this newest chapter of my spiritual awakening has come up. And it has been an, an endless source of peace and joy and excitement. and And I will tell you that at the same time, I've had to grapple with all sorts of um, shadows of my past beliefs and experiences and and just dealing with all of that stuff. and and one of the things that I had to overcome was the fear of what would happen if I began to speak openly. About things of a metaphysical nature, of Gnosticism and esoteric things, and 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 other things like, um, well, just the just go back one episode. Listen to my episode on light language. Uh, it has not been something that was easy for me to just speak publicly about because I know how I would have reacted as a Christian to hearing these things that I say today and the things that I will say in the near future and in the long distant future from now, um, the things that I believe today are so contrary to who I used to be and what I used to believe and what I was willing to accept, and that I was conditioned not only to judge others who believe what I believe today, but I was also... Believe it or not I was taught to condemn them and to ostracize them and to put them out and and to boldly speak out and call them a false teacher and all that other stuff and and I got to tell you that that as I've been contemplating how much do I share and when do I share it and how do I share it uh, there's been a lot of fear about me to speak openly about the fullest expression of who I am in Christ today and I and one thing that that my connection with Christ has has taught me is that anything that produces fear within me is not of God, is not of our divine father, our divine mother, our, of the source of all of creation. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not fear. There, there is no fear in Christ. And, and I can tell you right now, anytime I fear speaking about what I believe to be true, and I want you to hear this, not once in this podcast have I stated that what I believe is true and that you ought to believe it. All I'm saying is this is where I've come. This is a little peek into the journey that I've been on, and this is where I currently stand today in my own belief system. And I believe fully that neither angel nor demon, height nor depth, any power in all creation, not any of the things that I even say today will ever be able to separate me from the love of God that is in this Christ, that is in what Jesus was on this planet, what he represented as being both fully human and fully God, and that he came to show us, he, at least I believe he came to show me How to experience the balance of being a divine spiritual, eternal divine spiritual being, one with Him, while at the same time also having the experience of being fully human and integrating those two and learning what it truly means to be in this world and not of it. And the only thing I can tell you is that my experience inwardly, beyond what I've shared prior to just recently in this podcast— has been nothing but peace, love, and joy, and the way that it's had me show up and serve others, and and the way that it's no longer uh, all about me and and my insecurities and trying to get others to impress others and all that other stuff. It it has radically transformed my entire experience of life, who I am and who everyone else is, and I, I I'm not comparing myself to others. I'm not seeing myself as any better or any different than others. And I'm learning to live judgment-free of others and myself. I'm not perfect at it all the time, but I'm learning. And, and the craziness is how on earth can I be afraid to tell others about this experience? And I'm reminded, uh, always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have. But when you do so, do so with gentleness and respect. And I hope that's what I've done here today. And Bethany, I am so thankful to you for joining me in this very important piece of content that we've created together.
1: It has been an absolute pleasure. I'm so glad I can be here to, to witness you and help spread messages of love and acceptance and joy and peace. It feels like my heart is very full Mm. and I hope that. Others are able to feel this feeling of love and acceptance too. So thank you so much, Cliff. It again, it's a pleasure to to share space with you anytime <laughs> and to chat. I love to witness you. Thank you.
0: Thank you. And I want to give a special shout out to Fabian Louie, who is here in Clubhouse right now. She has been my spiritual coach. I hired her to help me walk the the latest couple uh, various different uh, paths and inroads on this spiritual awakening journey i've been working with her weekly since January of 2022 she is incredibly awesome if you're listening to the replay of this uh, definitely check her out i i couldn't recommend her more highly than i do and you can find her on the if for those of you listening into the podcast uh, you can find her at fabianlouie.com that's f a b i e n e. L-U-I <laughs> dot com. And I will put that in the show notes as well. And also, very important shout out to Daphne and to LaDonna and to Jay, who are all here in this clubhouse room as well. I got to tell you, this amount of support and just enthusiasm for the fullest expression of who I am in Christ today has given me a lot of freedom. And I want to close this podcast episode with a quote from Marianne Williamson. And this is what she said, "'Our fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are more powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God.'" And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Mindset and man.